So here it is, episode one of Leverage Your Life, and I'm so excited because the entire purpose of this media platform is to tell stories of people who have leveraged their life for eternal gain, eternal benefit, to inspire, motivate, and encourage you to do the same. And so, today you get to meet Rochelle Starr. She's the founder and executive director of Scarlet Hope up in Louisville, Kentucky, and you'll get to hear two different segments with her. The first day, we'll be putting out an interview that she did where she told her story with Kyle Eidelman from Southeast Christian Church, filmed by the folks at City on the Hill Studios, and they have been so gracious to let us share this content. Then in two days, I'll be releasing a video conference that I did with Rochelle where we got to ask her some additional follow-up questions to hear how God has used her to launch Scarlet Hope, and then to hear also how God has used Scarlet Hope to shape her life too and to fill her with abundance. So here it is, day one, episode one of Leverage Your Life with Rochelle Starr. Check it out. My father is a pastor. My dad taught me to love people no matter where they were at in life, whether they were addicted to something or homeless. He often would bring homeless people home for dinner or to church. So that was the example that I got in my childhood of what Christ was like. All through high school and into my early 20s, I had a passion for people and for just life. I've always been really excited about life. But it was around when I was turning like 16, 17 years old, I watched some things at our church that we were at that were happening that were really just hard. When my dad would bring in drunk people to the worship service or homeless people, he was told to ask them to leave. And so there was a lot of bitterness within the church in my 16, 17 years old, that our formative years of your life, um, just became connected to the wrong friends and partying and different things like that. I moved to Florida and I married my husband, Josh, and we got married at 21 years old. We just kind of were like, why do we believe what we believe? And so we kind of just stopped going to church and we just, I guess, explored for what life could be like without it. We gave in to whatever we wanted to do. And I started to walk away from my faith. I started to walk away from what I had grown up knowing. It was because I had never really picked up God's Word for myself. I just believed what I, my dad told me, or I believed what the church told me. I was working at an agency that did video production, and I kept getting opportunities to sort of climb the corporate ladder. And so monetarily, it felt very fulfilling to, to be getting raises and more responsibility. As I kept growing in my work, in my career, it was never enough. I remember feeling very discontent all of the time. There was this unsatisfying discontentment that kept growing larger and larger. This is not what I was created to do. Why do we exist? What were we created for? I remember asking myself that question every day, it feels like. My husband had the New Testament on CD, and he would drive into Tampa to work every day, and he started listening to it. I didn't know this. He came home one day in Florida, and he said, 
I am interviewing at a job at Northside Christian Church in New Albany, Indiana. He was like, I really feel God is opening a door to this. I liked our life, you know, it was very comfortable. Why would he ever want to leave a really big agency in Florida to move to New Albany and work at a church? Lo and behold, we're here in New Albany and I'm now back at a church serving, and I was serving all the time, serving with college ministry, high school, doing trips, mission trips, all the while not really wanting to necessarily do it. He felt like he found his purpose. Even though I was serving, I still was as discontent and empty as you can imagine. So I had to lead this Bible study. <laughs> I didn't really want to lead. Esther is the story about a woman who God uses for such a time as this. It was like God brought that story to life for me and it was almost like I was Esther in the story and I was asking and seeking God, okay, so I'm here, what do you wanna do? I had like a spiritual awakening, if you will, where God really started impressing upon my heart what my purpose was. And I remember just having an overwhelming sense of Jesus has asked me to go somewhere. So I was willing to go to India, I was willing to go to Africa, I was willing to go to anywhere. I was willing to do anything. I would just pray, okay, God, whenever you wanna speak to me, whatever you wanna use me for, I'm here today. I was driving down the highway beside the Theater X in Clarksville, and God just spoke to my spirit so clearly, and He said, I want you to go and bring my love and my hope to women in that place. I had no idea what it was about. I hadn't heard of another ministry. I hadn't heard of anything about the industry up to this point. I called my husband and said, God's called me to go to women in the sex industry to share the gospel with them. The first thing out of his mouth was, yes, that's what Jesus would do. I was totally taken back by it because I was expecting a completely different response. He asks me when I get home that night, what do you want to, to do? And I said, I don't know. I guess we need to pray about it and we need to fast about it. So I literally spent a year and a half praying and fasting and telling people and researching and trying to figure out what it is that God was calling me specifically to do. And so I got a small team together and we would go and pray outside of strip clubs. And God made it very clear on a Sunday afternoon one day, I want you to go this week. Stop praying, stop researching. You've been doing this for a year and a half. At some point you have to go. We went into one club in, in town. We sat down at the bar, ordered a Coke, and the bartender looks at us and says, what are you all doing here? And we were clearly out of place. And I just remember smiling at her and saying, Jesus called me to do something kind and loving for you all. Can I bring a home-cooked meal into this club? And she looked at me and said, no. That was the most insane thing she had ever heard. A little bit later, we were at the other side of the bar and we were sitting on a table and my friend Sarah was talking and I could not hear her. All I could hear was God and he, the Spirit. And he said, 
go over to this man, so I get up, I walk straight over to a man, the one man out of 50, and he was the owner of the club. And I said, hi, my name's Rochelle. I'm not here for a job, but I'm here because Jesus has sent me here to do something kind and loving for the women in this club. Can I bring a home-cooked meal in? And literally his jaw dropped down and he said, what's the catch? And I said, there is no catch. I don't have a catch. And he said, when can you come in? And he opened his door to let us start serving every single week. A lot of the dancers, when we first started serving a, a meal, they would say, are you trying to poison us? Because they had never, ever experienced love, never experienced somebody who would do something for them without expecting something in return. Six months into starting at this club, serving week in and week out, ladies started coming to us saying, I'm being forced to do this. I just was raped last night. I'm homeless. It was on a Sunday afternoon, and I was just reading through scripture, and I read through Matthew, where Jesus is stripped of his clothing, and he is mocked, and he is beaten, and they put a scarlet robe on him. The only hope we have is in the blood of Jesus. And the scarlet is, is a representation, I believe, of blood. And so Jesus covers our sins. So I called to my husband and said, the name of our ministry is gonna be Scarlet Hope. And he said, let's pray about that. That Thursday night, four days later, I was in the club and I saw a woman across the room and she was staggering around. She had a blue sweater on, jeans on, and a bag over her shoulder. And I remember thinking, I don't know if she's a dancer or who she is, but she looks like she's kind of drunk. So I'm gonna ask her if she wants something to eat. She said, I have five children at home that have not eaten in, in a week. And she said, someone told me that I could come up to this club and make fast money. And so I'm here, but she said, when I got here, the, the manager told me I had to take off all of my clothes and I've never done that before. So I, I went to the bar and got drunk. And I said, well, honey, let, let me get you over here and we'll feed you and we'll pack up food for you to take home with your kids. She takes the mac and cheese spoon and she starts shoveling it into her mouth from the pan. And so my friend says to me, she's probably gonna throw up because she is drunk. So I pick up the pan and I go over to the side and right as I did that, she threw up down the front of me. And I'm thinking, God, why did this just happen? She looks at me and says, will you pray with me? Of course, I said, yes. So I grab her hands, we're face to face, throw up on us. I started praying, God, save this woman. And in the middle of my prayer, she drops to her knees and starts crying out to God like I have never experienced before. She's weeping, I'm weeping. Everybody in the club was looking at us. At this point, the music goes off, people are, just standing there staring at us, and she is crying out to God for help. Help for her children, herself, God save me. She stands up, and she's still about as close to me as, as my hand is to my face, and she says to me, I just met Jesus here. And she said to me, I have hope today. The owner of the club came over to her and said, you need to leave, you're being disruptive. So they called her a cab, 
we start to load up all our food and her stuff and we're taking her out and I just looked at her and I said, what is your name? And she looked at me with a smile on her face and she said, my name is Scarlett. And I remember knowing that Jesus was there, that I was in the presence of our God in a strip club. I remember the Spirit just affirming that this is what He made me for and this is what He's called me to do. All of the discontentment that had gone on for years went away. And it's, it really has not ever come back. When I first started going into the strip clubs, people at my church, friends, started telling me I was crazy. My friend said to me, you'll start to become like them. I remember a woman saying to me, there's the sign to our church out front. They know where we're at. And I thought, man, this is so not what Jesus teaches. I think oftentimes in the church, you don't want to look like you're, you're, you don't have it all together. So it's easy for others to look at these women in the sex industry and say, oh, them, they're broken. Until I started ministering and working with women, it wasn't until then that I realized that I was broken myself. God showed me that we were created for Him and created for others. And when I was in my career, if you will, I was living for myself. I'm in need of God's grace just as much as the prostitute that I meet Thursday night. I don't think that anybody's brokenness out there could keep them from being whole. I've seen that with women that I sit with every single day. Every single day, the women that are sexually abused and they feel like they have been shattered for the rest of their lives, I've seen God make them whole again. Now we serve in 20 clubs in Louisville. We have seen so many lives change. It's always interesting to me what happens when women who are in this industry come to know Christ. You know, we think that it's gotta change overnight. We think that, okay, now that they've come to Jesus, well, they ought to stop doing everything that they used to do. I've been discipling a, a young woman who was a prostitute for about five years. And she came to know Christ recently and we used to talk about her false eyelashes. She spent hundreds of dollars on them every week. They were basically her identity. And her stage name was Barbie. And she had her false eyelashes on, her fake nails, her hair all done up, and she looks in the mirror and she said, why am I Barbie right now? And she, she said that the Spirit just convicted her to remove those things. And God has brought her to the end of Barbie, and He's now made her new. The humility that it takes to recognize our brokenness only draws us closer to God. And that's when our lives change, and that's when, when we can change other people's lives. Every great movement starts with just a single step, and you got to hear some of Rochelle's first step in that interview. In two days, we'll be dropping an additional 
conference call that I did with her where I got to ask her some additional questions. And so I'm excited to share that content with you as well. In the meantime, you can support Scarlet Hope by going to my Facebook page or the Leverage Your Life Facebook page and donating. They have a fundraising campaign where they need to raise $250,000 by the end of this month. And so we've made it our goal to raise $1,000. And I think that's something we can do. The need is great, but I believe that we can do this as well. So head over there, check it out. Again, thanks to City on the Hill Studios for dropping that and letting us use that content. They have a ton of small group material you can check out. They've also are the folks responsible for, I can only imagine they have a lot of content with that as well. So City on the Hill Studios, thank you so much. Check them out. All right, well, that's it for the day. I'll see you in two days as we drop additional content.